Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the EG Property Podcast with me, EG Editor Sam McClary. On today's podcast, I'm joined by Paul Lawrence, Head of Real Estate at Taylor Wessing, and Dan Bailey, Director in the Tenant Rep Team at JLL. Both are huge supporters of EG's Future Leaders Programme, and both joined many others to lean in, learn and support our latest cohort at their showcase event on the 9th of June. Here, we talk about the importance of the programme, not only for what it delivers for our future leaders, but for the messages it gives to the audience and the market as a whole. This latest cohort was united on showing us how much power and influence the real estate sector could have at affecting change and making the world a much better place. Listen in for a run-through of each of the amazing textile talks, and if you're hungry for more, make sure to head to www.egi.co.uk forward slash news to watch the six insightful, emotional, and just quite brilliant talks in full. But for now, enjoy. Hello and welcome to the EG Property Podcast, and uh, we are here today still basking in the glory, the emotion, the excitement of um, our Future Leaders event, our fourth cohort of Future Leaders. I can't believe we've had four um, groups come through this amazing, amazing programme. And joining me to talk about just how amazing uh, the cohort four were are are two of our um, fantastic partners on on the project. We've got Dan Bailey from JLL. Say hello, Dan. Hello. Excellent. And Paul Lawrence from Taylor Wessing. Paul, say hello. <laughs> hello from me too. <laughs> Fantastic. So um, JLL and Taylor Wessing were our top and tail um, of of the event uh, um, just, just a week or so ago. And um, we haven't done that on purpose, but what a beautiful way to sort of bring the whole thing, thing together. And, and this time for the EG Future Leaders, we gave our, our six... Um, I was going to say panelists then, that's not the right word, our six superstars, um, the loose the- theme of transformation to talk about and just the the real role that this industry has in transforming places, people, and I guess all the spaces in, in between. And it was um, quite a special event, wasn't it? And I'm going, to, I'm going to come to you first, Paul, because I know we've had this, this post-event conversation before, and I'd love to get a bit of a feel from you of of what what made what made the night tingle for you what was the what was the moment i thought it was a brilliant evening i thought everybody within the cohorts were fantastic um i i, I think the thing that made me that gave me the tingle was actually right at the end when you know the room was pretty full and let's remember that this is post-COVID or hopefully post-COVID, we haven't had too many of these in-person events. And the joy and the support from the people in the room for all of the cohorts as they stood at the end with the final clap was just brilliant. They all they were all fantastic in their own right. They all had really strong messages that they were delivering. And, you know, it's what we want to see from the industry. We want to see success for people. We want to see success where people look different and are different and that we reflect society and it was just exciting for me at the end that see the smiles on all of their faces and really for them to say wow I've achieved I've spoken there was an interesting message and that it resonated with the people in the room so that was all great 
absolutely couldn't agree more dan dan for you for you what was your experience of it of it like i'm i'm guessing you were a first time future leaders attendee uh, absolutely it was the first time for me uh and i happened to be essays line manager at the moment which is why i was particularly there uh and i remember asking essay uh, so where are you going? How, I'm going first. So that's great. Going first is is definitely good. But of course, I think, yes, it's quite tough going first in some ways because you you set the tone and they're all brilliant. But I think for me, of course, I'm going to bring the personal into it. Essay who's, uh, you know, as I well, uh, I will call her almost reluctantly now an apprentice in our team because of the education she's given me about the challenges that she faces around the badge of sort of graduate versus uh, um, apprentice, which I'm not going to go into at length now. But just that thing for me, someone who works with me, for me, uh, to be that uh, lucid uh, and eloquent about something from someone who, when she's in the team with all of us, she's not sort of banging the table and shouting about what she feels about stuff. But when you see her in that experience, and I'm sure this will be set the same for many of those other young people there, you think, wow, that's great. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I'm really pleased about is we've got quite a big pitch on at the moment to an occupier with lots of diverse young people, because I've been around their office. And actually, even before, uh, the future leaders of it. I thought, I think I should put Essay on the pitch team. Not because she's going to teach them a lot about real estate, but if they put a if they put a good team together where they're engaging their staff, having someone like her on our team to almost translate some of those occupier and employees' concerns into the world that she's learning about, that's that could be really valuable. And I know if we need her, her to present, well, she's going to be dynamite. And that, <laughs> I'm sure all those other young people will have impressed the same with their employers uh, and also obviously other, other people in the room and hopefully people who listen to the podcast. Absolutely. And I think one of the things for, for me with Essie's um, talk and all of them actually is just the, the bravery. You know, she was standing there talking about an experience that she'd she'd been through um, with her current employer that if it if it wasn't an employer as open minded perhaps as JLL might have said hang on a minute um, what are you saying we've gi we've given you a, a job and a career and you're saying you feel labelled but she was brave enough to come forward and say look I'm, I want to teach you to make things things better I thought that was fantastic yeah and I've already sort of again as her current line manager taken action with with her sort of uh, not permission so to speak but alongside essay with our early early years uh sort of training cohort saying okay what are we doing about this and i've i've seen what we're doing and it's it's better but it's not perfect yet and i'm there to be an ally to her and and others that follow her uh to make sure that we've got a great program there fantastic and what a thing for everyone in that audience to take away and, and pass forward that you know it was about labels wasn't it that labels yeah. can sometimes yeah. they can sometimes help us identify places but actually they can also build build barriers so really really strong talk there Paul for you was there anything from Essie's um uh talk that jumped out to, at you uh yeah there was actually I mean I think it's I think it's one of those things where it, it, in society I there are some people who are fantastic at reaching across the generation there are some people who are fantastic about being blind to labels that people actually have and making sure that you know people are absolutely included 
Um, and there are others who frankly aren't as good at that. And I do think that we need to make sure that, you know, there are particularly now different routes into the professions. And we're talking about real estate here as a as a sector. So whether it's law, whether it's you know, surveyors, whether it's, you know, accountancy, whatever it happens to be within the sector as a, as, as a whole. We need to promote talent and we need to equally recognise that there are some who will have an easy route to university and there are some who frankly university is not for them and that there need to be alternative career paths so I really felt it was a breath of fresh air that one essay is you know she's coming to the profession via the apprenticeship route and I think you know from a legal perspective that's something we're also focusing on but can get better better on but equally, that if you commit yourself to doing apprenticeship schemes, you can't have the apprenticeship apprentices actually being second class citizens. You have to bring them in and you have to accept them as full and integrated members of the team. So I think SA's message was very powerful and it was kind of a wake up call to us all, you know, that one, it's important that we have diverse routes to actually get into the professions. And the second thing is, well, if you're going to set up those diverse routes, for goodness sake, don't waste your time with it. Just look after everybody, treat them equally. Um, so I thought that was very powerful. But I think you used an interesting word, Sam, which was, <clears throat> forgive me, um, teaching, that she taught us something. And I actually feel that all of the speakers taught us something. Um, you know, and, and we can turn to the individuals afterwards. But if you take Hattie by way of example, just mm -hmm. where you talk about carbon reduction and the flip side of carbon reduction is obvi obviously sort of biodiversity, et cetera. And, you know, that we should be talking about those messages in, in, in the same sentence, as opposed to them being completely divorced from each other. Um, so, you know, Hattie taught me something, others taught me as well. So it it, it was great. It is absolutely a night of, of learning. And, let, and let's stick with Hattie, because usually at the Future Leaders, uh, I'm a bit of a wreck by the end of the night and the, the tears start to roll. But Hattie got me in our in our second um, second talk and the learning for me came. I had no idea how much of our sort of medical um progress comes from biodiversity and, and she made it very clear um and you know sort of you felt it that if we don't we as a real estate industry don't think about the impact that we're having we have a very real impact on you know the one in two of us who are going to get cancer at some point i thought um you could almost hear hear you know, sort of the intake of breath, couldn't you, when um, when Hattie sort of told her, her her story. How did you both feel about that? Did you have to wipe a tear? Yeah, I, I certainly did. And, uh, you know, interesting, again, since uh, the Future Leaders event, I was fortunate enough to be at the British Council for Offices BCO conference up in Manchester last week. Uh, and that, that you know, I thought about what she said and talked about when I was up there because Manchester was without doubt a hugely successful and growing city and growing office market, but it's not blessed with a lot of open green space. Uh, and one of the, you know, my self-guided tour that I took one morning to uh, to clear my head a bit, uh, it was really interesting to see how 
the development of office space in that city has progressed over the past five to ten years from you know some schemes with very decent office buildings but lots of hard hard standing uh, to decent office schemes with grass and then finally not surprisingly, the ones that okay it's the right time of year for it but the ones that really stood out were the ones where you did have good planting by you know diverse planting and it, it's just natural isn't it and I think particularly in this world where the office is no longer compulsory uh, question mark uh, mm -hmm. having the full complement of things to attract you back to the office it's not just about the good coffee in the office it's about the environment in and around that office that people feel comfortable with and it's relevant to them and i think what hattie eloquently talked about and passionately i think exemplifies many of us whether we're conscious of it or not that to go somewhere that feels warm and welcoming uh, that's what's outside the building as well as inside of the building. So, uh, yeah, it, it, my subsequent experience really sort of resonated uh, uh, with what she talked about to us. Fantastic. Thank you. Paul. I was close to shedding a tear. Yes, um, she spoke really powerfully. It was fascinating what she was saying. I think you know there is obviously the whole debate going on within the industry at the moment about carbon reduction, how that is achieved, embedded carbon within buildings, redevelopment, we, we all know, know the themes and it's a very live and topical issue. And, you know, to, to talk about biodiversity as the flip side, um, it, it was really powerful and it kind of fed into what Charlotte was also talking about with pocket parks, etc. And there I said, these are future leaders and we need to accept that they're, they're you know, that the future leaders and their generation have to influence and urgently the current leaders of the industry. And it isn't good enough just to sit here and say, well, this is the way that we've done it in the past. This is the way that we continue to do it. If we don't start making changes and making them urgently, then actually, you know, what will the future hold for our children and our grandchildren? So it's it's it really was a powerful message and underscored by her personal story. Um, so, yes, very powerful. And there was sort of throughout all of the stories, actually, these future leaders very much focused on the the E and the S of ESG. That was sort of um, palpable, wasn't it? Through through every story, it was either. Well, sometimes it was the E and the S coming together, but um, it was all about creating a better, better place for for the planet and, and for people. And and it, that sort of takes us on to talk number three, which was Ro Rosie Autumn from from Nuveen. And she was very focused on that, that S and sort of made us all giggle first with the sort of Harry Potter image. But then, you know, sort of hit it home with quite a powerful um Sort of call out, I suppose, of the industry that we don't value people and place in in the in the same way. We have we are exclusive when it comes to um, places, even within a building. Paul, Paul, for you, did you resonate with um, with Rosie's Rosie's talk? Did you uh, think? Oh, uh oh, oh, completely resonate. I mean, you know, I head up the real estate team at Taylor Westing. And it's like, you know, I have to think about where I put people within the team. And, you know, you've got 
we're lucky enough to be in a land securities building. Um, we moved in here in, in, in 2008. You know, it is now based on an older design. So we have lots of questions as to what we're going to do with our building space design. What's the how are we going to future proof it? What do we, you know, what do we actually want to get out of our space? And in looking at that, you'd look at the team and actually how do you treat people? But it's not just the people who work within my team. It's also, you know, the cleaning staff, the security people. How do you treat people properly, fairly, so that actually to use one of my partner's expression, how do you get them skipping to work? But this <laughs> is a building and a place where they want to be. And, you know, lots of talk about how um, working from home, future use of the offices, what's it going to look like in five years time, etc. when everything has sort of settled down. One of the really key things for me, which I'm having lots of conversations with clients about is, well, actually, what attracts people to the buildings? What makes it better? I mean, if ultimately you've got better design and better connectivity in your home, well, that hardly is an incentive to then come into the office. So we need to be better. We need to be bolder. We need to be more innovative. We also need to think about carbon and you know, the impact there, because can we just drop buildings and redevelop willy nilly? Well, that's that's a separate debate. The use of space, which was really key to what Rosie was talking about, to, from to my mind, absolutely critical. And it is about, you know, fair use of space and maximising your space. And it's often those quiet people that we don't see in, in workplaces that make a workplace the very, you know, that attractive place that we want, want yep. to come to, isn't it? So we have to look after them and, and consider what is important to to them as, as well. Dan, you work a lot with the, the Occupier com community. Um, uh, I, I guess Rosie's, Rosie's talk for, for you made, made sense, for sure. It, it made a lot of sense. And, you know, this is one point where I'm going to be optimistic uh, <laughs> as, as I am generally as a person but I think particularly if you think the one thing that Covid has taught us about is this thing as I mentioned earlier about if the office is no longer compulsory then it's going to have to be really good uh, and I think that the part if you look at JLL my very big broad organisation but I think the part of our organisation and our competitors that is going to have the most impact in the next few years are the property management and the facilities management teams because they've got to create an environment. Yes, it's all very well for the architects and designers to build lovely buildings, but actually, if they're not operated well, uh, then that's not going to work for the for the end user and the people in there. And that comes down to some sort of technical stuff, something around data, but actually, it's a lot around the talent, the property manager. Uh, is not the oily rag uh, sort of looking after the bogs and boilers. They are there understanding the data that's that's coming from those occupiers, feeding back to those occupiers and being able to make them operate their buildings more efficiently, more sustainably, etc. And I think that focus on the talent within the building and not the not the office occupiers, but the the, the people who make it happen. So the facilities uh, staff from front of house to cleaners, etc. I think will is going is is being recognised. Um, so uh, yes, hopefully the cupboard under the stairs uh, will uh, be will be a sort of an element of fiction in the future rather than fact. 
I hope so. And I love your optimism too. And I think, you know, with people like Rosie in the in the future of our industry who, you know, didn't back down when someone said that person's opinion doesn't matter. Um, if we've got more people like that who say, well, yes, it does. And, and you know, I'm going to advocate for them, then it's going we're going to live in a much better world, aren't we? So um, kudos to Rosie for, for that. Now, talking of brave, uh, our next speaker was Blau Hussein from from Roundhill Capital, who who spoke to something that is, I feel really passionately about actually, which is vulnerability and how how powerful it can be when you show and share your vulnerability to others. And he, you know, he made a, he made us laugh, but he also made us, for me anyway, feel uh, quite exposed, I suppose, but in a, in a good way, in a way that was, oh, okay, you know, it's, it's, it's okay to not always be okay. How did you, how did you take his, his talk, Dan? What, what, what um, hit you from, from Blau, apart from his excellent drawings of um, uh, buildings, of course? Yeah, well, I put, well those, <laughs> those were outstanding, but I, I think it's interesting that I think one of the best things about working in the property industry uh, was and still is that there are characters involved uh, and that won't go away and shouldn't go away but the only danger of that is everyone thinks ah well property people they're all sort of charismatic sort of if they're male alpha male if they're female alpha, you know and there are still going to be some of those people but i think there needs to be and there evidently are now a, a far broader spectrum of personality types and, uh, and people with different backgrounds. Uh, and I think it's that honesty from yeah, a young person like that to be able to say to a room full of people and actually more broadly to the industry through, uh, you know, through the EG, uh, the challenges that that he's faced, not just in our industry, but, it, but in life. Uh, and if he's been able to find his position in the industry as a way to feel happier about himself and therefore be a, a better happier person a better happier real estate professional well that's brilliant isn't it you know because we'll have gone from an industry that was full of yes we can sort of tough guy macho negotiating on all on all points to being actually a kind considerate industry which still does you know great deals and uh, produces great buildings and places to work so yeah i i thought that was really uh inspirational Hold the front page. The two are not mutually exclusive. Who would who would have thought? Who would have thought? <laughs> Paul, I thought what well, what really impressed me about was that you know he was showing with us something that was very private. In life, you have people have their public personas and they have their private personas, and he was kind of really playing the honesty cards and the truth card to say, look, guys. This is has not been easy for me. There are certain things where, you know, I grew up thinking that I was the same as everybody else, but yet people tell me I'm not the same as everybody else because. And I was just really impressed how he was able to stand up on on the stage actually to speak about that, and it really did drive home to me how you know, everybody is an individual, everybody has their own story, everybody has their own background. And it wasn't what he was talking about, but there are people who have mental health issues, etc. And that we as an industry just, you know, 
we are part of general society. We need to accept that there should be a wide cohort of people that are working within the industry and that we need to reflect society. So Dan, I, I, I agree with you. You know, there are lots of, there I said, historically alpha male characters within the real estate industry. And we need to we need to broaden beyond that. It's not that we shouldn't have our characters. Of course, we should have our characters. But, you know, we need people who are able to uh, you know, grow the industry, take us into new areas, um, new perspectives and, and just re generally reflect society and, and be able to, to, to be the best that we possibly can. And I think for those alpha males or females out there you know let them know that they don't have to be alpha all the all the time you know if they're if they're struggling they can they can talk about it it's yep, it's all right absolutely. doesn't make doesn't make them any less it probably makes them more absolutely um so moving on to charlotte um glazier from islington council who um for me, the, the takeaway moment from her was, uh, I loved it, and it was very Charlotte in that she said, you know, if you have an idea and you and someone doesn't agree with it, just go and talk to someone else. <laughs> uh, you know, it, if I, thought, you're, I thought it was brilliant. <laughs> if you're passionate about something and you've done your homework, just keep going. You know, don't don't give up, which I think is a a, a wonderful lesson on life and she was so passionate about her project wasn't she the, the pocket parks that she was um pushing forward in Islington and her not giving up has led to led to some some funding uh Paul how did how did you um how did you listen to to her talk what what um um permeated I was to be honest blown away um I thought she was a very powerful speaker in her own way I I thought that you know, what, what completely blew me away was, I think, the map of London, which showed that if you actually put all of these different pocket parks, how how much greener London would become. So we talk about, you know, pollution, we talk about carbon, etc. And, and and it goes back to, you know, one of the previous, Hattie and one of, it's one of the previous speakers. You know, the flip side is, yes, you can reduce carbon, but actually, how do you increase biodiversity? How do you make everybody's lives pleasant? So, you know, back in back in the post-war war era, you know, might have been demolishing the tenement blocks which had survived the war and then putting up shiny new tower blocks, which were then, you know, dropped again 30 years later or whatever it was. Here we've got a really practical um fantastic idea which can make a big difference to people's lives the built environment suddenly becomes more attractive you have fewer cars going through okay she was particularly focusing on dead ends um roads but you know why not bring some green back into the community and and, and to be honest i think one of one of the things that was was interesting is just how this could be taken forward as an idea it doesn't have to stop and stop and finish with local authorities like um like charlotte it's very much you know take this beyond islington you could imagine it being done on a sort of if people were empowered to do this locally some areas not all areas might be able to self-fund it yeah what a fantastic idea if you can live in a in, in, in a cul-de-sac and the council say well hang on a minute you know we're happy to work with you um to get this bit greenified to use an expression to put the planters in to make it more exciting for kids 
and that's great it's got to be good it's brilliant and I I liked the you know she'd done her calculations hadn't she during a um she was clearly a, a bit uh had some extra time in lockdown to to do all the do all the research but you know she said you know if we did the whole of London this would cost 1.7 billion pounds it sounds like a big number but that's the kind of price that someone will pay for the gherkin or the walkie-talkie isn't it it's not in the grand scale of things we could make that make that change Dan what were your what were your thoughts well, I've got a vested interest, Sam, because I'm an Islington resident. So uh, <laughs> she certainly uh, uh, struck a chord with me. Uh, and, you know, it's it's an inner city urban borough and it certainly needs uh, greening up. Uh, I thought the thing that really resounded with me is that, again, as someone who's spent his life working in private practice, but aware of the challenges that those that work in the public sector, and particularly lo uh, local authorities around resourcing and time and you know there is a perception that oh gosh it's all too difficult and that maybe a can't do attitude for understandable reason fun to have people like charlotte there pushing uh, and again you know as you mentioned if someone says no we'll just find someone else until someone starts saying yes gosh that makes me happy to be paying my uh, my council tax so if if there are more people like charlotte there with a can do attitude uh, and again i think it comes back broader look at you know our industry particularly a borough like islington adjacent to the city you know i'm not an expert in section 106 payments from developments but you'd have thought hopefully some of that money that she's talking about there uh, could be coming from you know developments happening in the south of the borough uh, further up into the borough uh, and perhaps providing an, an exemplar for how other local authorities might be able to uh, uh, spread that green and biophilia, etc. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'll be spying out those uh, pocket parks uh, near me uh, over the next couple of years, no doubt. And overlay that sort of net biodiversity gain with Hattie's story about, um, you know, if you keep investing in this, we'll be able to continue to make the medicines that help someone get over cancer, then, you know, if any developer says, oh, no, I don't want to do that, then they should not be welcome in this industry, should they? I can say that. I know you probably can't. No, <laughs> I, no but I, I think that, again, kind of referring back to the BCO conference last week, social impact was uh, the most consistent topic that was coming up you know, ab above and beyond, because we know what we've got to do in terms of uh, net zero carbon. But again, going back to this thing of if the office is going to be relevant, uh, new development needs to show that it's having providing social value to those in and around that. But and obviously, and I'm, a, I'm an offices guy, but that will apply to any new development that, that's happening. But I think people are more and more aware of that. And hopefully the enlightened developers and owners will be looking at avenues where they can evidence that. And so uh, what Charlotte was talking about, I think, is a, is a great, a great way that, you know, that could be done. Fantastic. And um, social impact happens when we actually do, which takes us to the wonderful Reese um, from Taylor Wessing to, to finish us up, who um, I think has been the most sweary future leader that we've ever <laughs> ever had or, or at any any EG event. But I absolutely loved it. And he was bang on the money and so brave for calling out um, his own bullshit and uh, the rest of of the industries. Paul, I have to come to you first. You must be brimming with pride with Reese. Oh, Reese is fantastic. Um, he spoke brilliantly. 
he talks about his background, where he come from, and you know, I think that resonated with the audience that actually, you know, not everybody comes from private schools, not everybody goes from private schools to the top universities to then get into the top jobs, etc. And it resonated with me, his conversation with the careers advisor who basically, you know, for those that weren't in the room, it was kind of, well, there's only one job to do, which is going going into the army. And, you know, Reese from South Wales, um, from particular community, etc. And it was kind of, well, actually, I want to do something else with my life. And then really for him to recognize that, you know, he's saying, well, people should do these things. And he looked in the mirror and said, well, hang on a minute. You know, I'm the one that needs to be going into the local comprehensive schools to to talk to them about my experience and how actually people can be aspirational and should be aspirational. Um, So that was great. And then, you know, widening that message to basically say to the industry, come on, guys, you know, we're all going on on site inspections. Why not? You know, if you're going to spend a day going from London up to, I don't know, wherever it is, Wakefield, Hull, wherever wherever your journey takes you just think what can you what can you offer to to people locally how can you help and of course you know there's a big discussion at the moment about leveling up and all the rest of it but I think what is very important is that we share our experiences however that is done we make sure that people have opportunities and they have hope and that's important so good good on Reese for calling out his own bullshit I think my philosophy in life is that everybody if everybody takes a small step on something that's a very very big step so whether it's pocket parks whether it's biodiversity whatever it happens to be if we all take some small steps in our lives it will make a positive difference and those individual small steps will collectively make a big difference so i i i was very proud of what Reese was saying and as as indeed was everybody there from from Taylor West saying the whole room the whole room and um, I'm going to come back to you on the small step because um you know that is always the ask of uh, future leaders a future leaders event that we ask people to go away and, and do something so I'll come back and ask what yours was in a, in a second Paul but but Dan reflections on on Reese and his values of language yeah well again it sort of reiterated to me some of the things that I think are great about our industry, but sometimes are misunderstood. Uh, And what annoys me is when people talk about property developers or developers as speculators or speculation. Um, And that's easy, cheap journalism, but sometimes there's a a rationale behind that. Actually, you know, property development is is a a, a major, uh, uh, you know, enabler of social change uh, in communities. If you've got great buildings coming up, whether they're for people to live, work, uh, be be treated, you know, be educated, you know, it's it's the, the the physical fabric of what we can build in our industry. It builds the social fabric uh, that sits around those communities. And I I think what Reese talked about was a a reiteration of that. You know, it should be logical, shouldn't it? If you're if you're going to somewhere to build a building and you're one of the many parts of that architect, engineer, developer, lawyer, whatever it happens to be, um, you're going to have an impact on that community. Uh, and um, if you can explain that to them 
uh, firsthand even better. And second, you know, we always talk about and we'll continue to talk about not so much the legal profession, which I think people understand, but many other aspects, certainly my profession as a chartered surveyor, it's not well understood in many schools uh, so that if if people can reach out and explain, you know, what the different aspects of working in the, the built environment, what they are, what they can do for change and what they're doing in that local community, then we'll get more bright young future leaders coming along, knocking on your door, Sam, to be uh, presenting on that stage. Fantastic. I look forward to that. I think it's about pride, isn't it? It's about having pride in this um, this sector that, that we work in. And, and you know, to for what I got out of Reese's talk was, you know, what, you don't have time to be proud about your industry. And, you know, that for me is like, OK, You've got to, you've got to, um, you've got to act. You've got to do something about that and share and share the message um, to all and everyone that this is open. There's so many amazing things that you can do in there, and you can follow all sorts of routes, as we saw from Essie right at the beginning of 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 the night. A, a beautifully formed uh, circle of of learning for for us all um, on that evening. So. Um, to round us up, I did say that um, you know that uh, um, that the whole point of future leaders is for us to really educate the the audience and make sure that someone takes something away and pays pays it forward, makes um makes turns it into a sort of ripple effect, I suppose. So, final question for you both: What's your one thing that you're going to put out here now that you're going to take action on that you learned from uh, our future leaders cohort for? Paul, I gave you more time so you can go first. I would hope, I mean, we started with with SA and I would hope and I would hope that this is already something that we are implementing, that when we are looking to recruit people, you actually look at the underlying talent. You don't look at the school that they've gone to, um, you, you don't look as closely at the university that they've gone to, you look at the alternative routes into the profession and that, frankly talent should rise to the top and however people have ended up on that journey you you allow talent to flourish so going back to SN, you know apprenticeships etc when I'm looking at recruiting it is very much about the individual it's about the um intelligence of that in, in individual and it's how they will fit into the business and how they will address needs of of clients it's not you know perhaps what it was 20 years ago when you kind of say well actually you know what a levels did they get what's you know the quality of degree and by the way which university did they go to because we will only ever accept that i think we have thankfully as a nation become far more thoughtful over the last couple of years as to how people can actually get achieve their goals and I think for me that's really important to allow people to fly um, you're not going to compromise on quality of individuals you're not going to um, you know it, 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 intellectual capacity that still has to be there of course it has to be there we expect it our clients expect it but you know allow people to fly, give them a fair chance in, in life. And by the way, protect the environment at the same time, because otherwise we're all we're all dead and buried. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. Uh, well, I echo many of the, the things that Paul said. Uh, and aside from, I guess, 
already having more engagement in an aspect of JLL that I wasn't familiar with our, our early 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 years uh, training program. Um, I suppose that the personal thing that I I should do, uh, you know, I've I've gone one step, which is go to my uh, kids' school, which is a state school, but it's a very very good one. Uh, and so that I thought, well, I'm doing a good thing there. And I actually, you know, that's not that high a, a bar because they're sort of, you know, lots of very middle class kids who probably have lots of professional parents uh, out there. So I think I need to be looking at, you know, where I work. I, I do work for clients out in Canary Wharf, for instance, those East London boroughs. Come on, Dan, you know, get out some of those schools there and talk about the, the brilliant careers you can have in real estate. So that's a challenge I'm going to try and set myself up, up with. Fantastic. And uh, my challenge to to anyone listening to this is to to really sort of lean into this conversation that we've had. And if you weren't there on the most wonderful Thursday night in all Thursday nights, um, we ha we are making the videos of each of those fantastic speeches available. So I, my challenge to everyone listening is to go um, to the link that I will put in the show notes for this and watch and really listen and note down the one thing that you're going to take away too, because together we really can transform this industry and, and highlight how, how brilliant it really can be. And if we're honest, already is a little bit. Uh, Paul, Dan, thank you so much um, for joining us on this podcast. Thank you so much for supporting the Future Leaders Project. It means um, such a lot to us. So thank you very, very much. <laughs>